Hello and welcome to Bringing Education Home. I'm Herb. And I'm Christina. Together we share ideas to grow stronger, healthier families that are both inside and outside the box. If you like the show, be sure to follow Christina on Facebook. And please leave us a like, review, or a comment on your favorite podcast platform. Today I have the pleasure of introducing Mr. Kyle Goodnight. With over 27 or 26 years of experience in the healthcare industry as a respiratory therapist, paramedic, and medical supply developer, Kyle has achieved notable accomplishments throughout his career. Education is his passion, reflecting in his roles as a clinical educator for the state of Ohio and a shift clinical educator at the Delaware County EMS. Kyle's certifications and educational achievements reflect his dedication to professional development and his passion for healthcare. He is driven to leave a lasting legacy by furthering the knowledge of those he can teach. Welcome, Kyle. Wow. <laughs> Did really I, cool I wrote that? No. <laughs> <laughs> That's all really nice and high level, but tell us a little yeah. bit about yourself. Tell us what you do and, and how yeah. you Yeah, well, you know, once again, Kyle, good night. Uh, uh, full-time paramedic uh, and healthcare professional. I've been in healthcare since 97, I think, is when I graduated. I uh, started off in respiratory therapy and didn't even know that I wanted to be in healthcare and went three years at Ohio State, go Bucks, um, and didn't know what to do. And my counselor was like, take this aptitude test. And so I sat down at a computer and typed in, answered questions, just generic likes, dislikes. And so they had a big list of things that Hey, you may be interested in this from your, it's almost like a job personality test, right? So I did that. And um, one of them on there was respiratory therapists had no clue what they were, no clue what they did. I applied for it at Ohio State. Ohio State only had like 15 positions. Of course, I was a regular college student. There was no way I had the right grades for Ohio for to get into that program the first year. So I ended up going over to the community college. I kind of did it backwards and graduated from uh, Columbus State in respiratory, was able to come out with the same exact job, the same exact credentials. So um, moved to Charlotte for a while, lived down there working at a level one trauma center and, and uh, critical care. Uh, and then my mom got real sick and I had to come back home and and then I, I worked at Ohio State again. That's what the job I came back. And then I, just over the years, I worked at multiple different hospitals and uh, in the in the area and a couple of travel positions because that's nice, a lot of very lucrative and fun to kind of go out to another city for a little bit. And then I got a when I was in Charlotte, I got the bug to be a paramedic uh, because they put they put respiratory therapists on their helicopter. Their helicopter was on top of their their level one trauma center. Yeah, and they ran nurse paramedic and a paramedic pilot and i was when i first got to carolina's medical center in charlotte my preceptor the person who was onboarding me eventually like right after he got done onboarding me he went up to the flight team and i'm like oh my gosh that that's so cool i want to do that yeah. and so he uh he's like hey you know one thing i have to do is i have to go to ems basic school why don't you since you want to do it why don't you just come with me do the school with me and then you're already pre-qualified and you know whenever time they have another opening so i did that kind of got the ems bug there then I came back to Columbus. They don't put respiratory therapists on their helicopters in central Ohio or anywhere in Ohio, unless it's a pediatric helicopter, which is, wasn't even around back then. Right. And so only way I could get on the helicopter was become a paramedic. So a few years went by a nurse of mine in the ER was like, Hey, you know, they've got a bridge program that if you, they will utilize your respiratory therapy or my nursing degree. And we can, uh, 
you know, we can uh, become paramedics. I'm like, really? I'm like, let me look into that. And she bugged out and didn't end up not doing it. And I did it. And I went a, a one day a week for 10 weeks. I drove an hour, you know, one each way to go to classes. And it was really cool because it was all adult professional healthcare people already, nurses, uh, PA. There was a PA in there, another respiratory therapist. And it was great because we all basically just taught ourselves. You know, I when it was the airway time, I'm like, all right, everybody gather around. Let me teach you about airway. And then when it was, and there was a moderator, there was a, there was an education, but it basically prepped us for the exam because it's a little bit different exam than the restaurant exam or the nursing exam. So, so just ended up getting that and became a paramedic and then got recruited right out of the ER by some people that found out that I was a paramedic and uh, worked them both for a little bit. I'd worked both jobs for a little bit. And uh, then about a year into EMS, I got into sales and I did sales and EMS for nine years. Wow. And so I was able to sell what I used. You know, I used the things that I was selling. So I was very familiar with it. And I kind of got the bug of I would, I, you know, when I was in sales, the products that I had weren't even, I never sold them. They right. sold themselves and I just trained. And every single time I trained, there was someone else in the room that didn't have it yet because it was such new technology. And it was life-saving technology and life-changing technology that that I was very, very lucky to be a part of and and proud of to 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 bring that to market with, with my company. But um, all of that with the family. Yeah, yeah. Well, the good news is, is my territory was pretty small. I only had like the southern half of Ohio, so it was I get off work, jump on the road, go you know, you know, go make, make, make calls or go train. A lot of, a lot of it was actually training in the evenings uh, just yeah. because, you know, just because that's when fire departments, you know, a lot of volunteer fire departments can get together and, you know, hospitals, like every single hospital in, in my territory, every single EMS truck in my territory, all, all end up getting this product. Yeah. And, uh, and it was, it was pretty, I'm pretty proud of it. Pretty proud to know that I, I helped bring it to market and it's now it's like the standard of care. Nice. Like, like if somebody doesn't have this on in their hospital or in their, in their EMS system, they, they're clueless, right? <laughs> because it's, it's like, it's almost as, it's almost as common as CPAP or, or, uh, you know, and I, and I represented CPAP too, but um, it was just one of those things or, you know, emergency CPAP, which is totally different than if anybody's listening and has CPAP at home, it's not the same machine. It's completely different <laughs> for emergency CPAP, but different, but the same, you know, same concept, just different machine. So, but yeah, so, I mean, that's, that's where I kind of got the education bug from, um, you know, I volunteered when my son was and my daughter was in high school, I would volunteer every time I could get a chance to be a chaperone, uh, you know, and, and, and chaperone marching band and hockey and cheerleading. And, you know, with my daughter with cheerleading, yeah, my daughter was the cheerleader. My son was the hockey player. No, not that there's anything. <laughs> she should have been a hockey player. She's so dang tough. She's yeah. tougher than my son. You know, I'm like, you're way more tougher than Carter. Why don't you play hockey? <laughs> That's awesome. But yeah, so all of that, I mean, that is just really busy and, you know, on the go and everything else. And so family life could possibly suffer during all oh, of it that. did. <laughs> and that's, you know, the part of our bringing education home is helping families understand how can you handle different situations in life? How can you learn from experiences? And one of the reasons we wanted you to come on is starting to talk about more of that. It's like, how did you handle being a full-time sales and EMS and the family and back and forth? And yep. What kind of happened with that? Was that it? easy going no not really it, you know the good news is is you know my wife is is also in the healthcare field mm -hmm. and we wanted kids 
early. Like we got, I got married at 28 and I'm like, let's go, let's go. I'm 28. Let's go. She was 26. You know, she was, you know, tick to, you know, that old, that old scene from, uh, you know, my cousin Vinny, my biological clock is ticking, you know? So <laughs> she wasn't quite that way, but that's a funny scene when we think about it. We yeah. both wanted kids pretty darn early. I mean, we were, I mean, we were on, I mean, I think we were basically our year anniversary. She was already pregnant yeah. with, with Carter. We had, we got married in 2000 right. maybe, and had a baby in October of 20 of 01. So, yeah. you know, it was one of those things where that's just what we were, you know, and that, that became our life. And, you know, I mentioned it on the summit yesterday, we would do in the hospital, she worked night shift. I worked day shift. Mm -hmm. We would pass the baby in the halls. If we had a shift that overlapped, so sometimes we try, sometimes we can do it with three, with hospital settings it was 12 hour shifts. So there was days where I could work three and then she could work the back three, you know, but it was still very rare to see my wife, you know, because whether it be opposite shifts or opposite work schedules, mm -hmm. you know, it was, you know, we, but we never wanted to do that daycare. We never wanted to have babysitters, you know, only people that ever babysit our kids were family. Mm -hmm. um, and then us, you know, so when, so when it comes to like, when they get started getting older and into things, and then I, back then I was only hospital. I wasn't EMS yet. Right. You know, Carter, I remember I was actually, I was trying to break into sales and I left respiratory and went and sold doors and windows. Cause I'm also, I also put myself through college, putting in doors and windows with my dad. So I knew a lot about that industry and I went and sold those for about about a year and 9-11 hit and I looked at my boss and I'm like, hey, I got to go. I got to I got to go to New York. I, they need help. I'm not held down by anything. I'm not at a hospital. I don't have a schedule right now because I'm working here and okay. everything just came to a halt. I mean, if you guys yeah. remember back then, oh, yeah. we had we had everybody canceling orders and, you know, so and he told me the smartest thing. He's like, Kyle, he goes, you got a brand new son coming in a month. He's like, don't you dare drive to New York. And that was the smartest thing I ever heard because we all now know what happened. Too many yeah. of us went yeah. to New York to help and they didn't have anything to, to do with us. They, there was nothing to help with, you know, mm -hmm. they didn't know how to handle the people. They didn't know where to feed them. They didn't know where to let them go to the bathroom. Right. They had issues. Right. So when it comes to the things that, you know, back to your questions, sorry, I got off a little tangent there, but you know, how did we make it work? We just kind of just, we, we share parented, right. It was, you know, we were married, but it kind of seems like we were, you know, co-parenting, which we were, but we always focused on that. Like I went on a lot of guys trips before I got married that kind of stuff stopped for the most part, you know, very few and far between me and my wife's mentality was this is the most important 18 years of our life right now. So we dedicated ourselves to, to, you know, to basically throwing ourselves into raising our kids. And then when they started getting into, you know, they both got in, they were both T-ball and soccer when they were little and, you know, whatever. And, and I never pressured them. Hey, what do you want to do? There's this sport, there's this sport. You know, I played football all the way throughout and my son, I offered it up to him. He played for one year. He got hit and was like, you know, I don't like that. <laughs> and then never played football again. Right. Which yeah. sucked because he was really good. Like he was actually really, really good at football. And then he got hit with a baseball um, uh, one of a, uh, a kid pitch and he got hit with a baseball, not in the head. Thank goodness. But, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> and he was like, ever since that ruined his batting, you know, he was a great little baseball player outfield and stuff like that, but he, it ruined his batting. He got hit by a ball and just was like, and so he, okay. then he came to us and said, I want to start playing hockey and then go, what, what, what position does he play when he starts playing hockey? Goalie? After getting hit by a baseball. Yeah. He starts playing goalie. 
Well, again, you got, you got all the pads. You're not. You got you, all the pads. He became a really good goalie. Ended up, he ended up doing high school uh, goalie and um, travel goalie when he was a little bit younger, and then ended up playing for um, Bowling Green State University uh, club for a couple of years. So, and now he plays adult league. You know, he's 22 years old, and you know, still trying to figure things out. But just like any new 22 year old person nowadays, they're all still trying to figure things out because it's such a weird world. He doesn't like football and he doesn't like baseball. So he plays hockey, which is football, baseball on ice. Right. <laughs> and he's really good at it. And like, he's like, he's not much of an athlete other than, you know, as he grow old, as he got older, his skills for like some of the athletic stuff kind of dwindled, but the hockey skills raised. So you wouldn't know it, you know, you know, going out and throwing a football with him yeah. that he was such a good hockey player because he gets on the ice and he's poetic and he can skate backwards and forwards. And yeah, it's amazing. So I'm not even, I can't even dream of skating as good as he yeah. does. But What I love about what you were just talking about is that you kind of let the kids kind of drive where they wanted to go. Right wanted to do you offered the experiences but yeah. then they basically chose and you know you let them you they played for a good enough time to know if it was a good fit or not and then right. after the year or the season or whatever yep. then you let them change because you want to make sure that they're feeling doing that completion task yep. right help yep. them understand the commitment and the loyalty that's needed in yep. life and everything so that was really really good parenting good you know what i would you know coach parents on is like mm -hmm. Try this. Think about this. One of the things that you said that I really liked too was when you had kids, you and your wife said this, this is the important thing, mm -hmm. right? So most parents, most, most people want to get married and have kids and then they have kids and it's like, oh, I have, I had a kid now I'm all done. It's like, they think that having the kid is the, is the important part, but that's not, it's the 18 years. That's the important part. And so, so thank you for, for, understanding that and seeing that because right now so many people have kids for themselves instead of being themselves for the kids Them. right right so. yeah and you know and, and luckily you know i i married my wife straight up i will 100 I, I, i've never deterred on one she's beautiful i totally married up but <laughs> but that's one that wasn't number one the number one was when i first started dating her maybe it was the second year i was dating her uh she was a nanny and I saw her with two small children of someone who hired her. She was worked at a daycare center and somebody from the daycare center hired her for the summer for mm -hmm. to nanny. And there they were they were both car seat kids. So they were what four and two, maybe? Mm -hmm. Maybe no, I think the one kid was a newborn. Yeah. He was a newborn. And my so you know, being the boyfriend and hey, and met those people. And they were, I mean, I'd go to, you know, get togethers with them. I was, she was a nanny. They'd invite me to, and they were totally comfortable with me being around. And I got to see, I got a, I got a, I got like a, a view into how, if I married this girl, how my life would be yeah. with kids. And I saw that as a 26 year old. Right. Yeah. And so it was like a no brainer to me, you know? We, you know, it wasn't, it wasn't, you know, we, we came back, we found each other a couple of, we broke up a couple of times. We always, I just, all it just, nothing ever felt right. Nobody else felt right yeah. because it was still in my mind, you know, I had a pretty good parents. I had, well, not pretty good. I had darn good parents. Yeah. My brothers and sisters, maybe not so much. I was the youngest <laughs> of four. It was a totally different world eight years after my closest sibling. Yeah. And uh, they have, the, we had the same biological parent, but knowing, knowing some stories that I've heard they had a different mental parent. Right. And, yeah. and I appreciate it. I appreciate my mom and dad cleaning their act up. Um, but uh, because, you know, 
in the 70s. So, <laughs> psychobabble stuff. It's like every cell in your body is different yeah. after seven years. So your bones take the longest time, but every cell in your bones are different after seven years. So no, you did not have the same parents as your as your brothers yep. did. Because every single cell in oh, was, yeah. <laughs> was different. Okay. Yeah, there you go. That's a good I, I didn't know that little tidbit. Yeah. I didn't know that tidbit. That's a good one. But yeah, so it was just one of those things. We just, we dove into our kids. We we were very active. We were very, um, you know, we wanted to, you know, with, with my son in marching band, we became chaperones. And I'm telling you that when we stopped being chaperones for his marching band and we knew there wasn't any more, it was tough. I mean, it was, yeah. it was heartbreaking because I'm like, I, it wasn't that I loved watching him. But I did. I loved watching. He was a big bass player, and and watching him was was so entertaining because he was so fun and so energetic and and so awesome at it. And but I got to know two hundred and seventy six kids on the marching band that they would come to me. Hey, Mister Goodnight, I got this little injury, or Hey, Mister Goodnight, you know I'm not feeling too good at band camp in nine hundred and five degree weather. You know, I mean, I I became you know I was kind of extended my my service to the band for three years. Actually, I ended up going into a fourth year. The med the uh, director asked me to come back after my son graduated, and to be a part of band camp because that was the year after COVID. Right. Two years after they did no band camps during COVID and then the one year. So it was it was a little bit spread out. I did one more after that. Yeah. After my son graduated, I did one more. But it was two years after COVID started and they got people back into the regular band camp. And I was one of the only parents that still knew how to do stuff at that specific camp. And it was all new faces and a couple of kids. They were only freshmen back when when my son was a senior. So it was one of those things where it was like, yeah, I'll, I'll come and I'll come and help chaperone, even though I don't have a kid there. You know, I was told, I was all already approved for all the, you know, the school district stuff. So I was like, yeah, let's just do it. So and that that felt good because I got to get one more, you know, <laughs> so I would like to. So we are kind of getting a little short on time. So I would like to get into your passion project, what you're really passionate about right now and what you're really trying to help people with. Because right. we should right. do that before we end. So people okay. What, yeah, what? absolutely. So right now, as as you heard earlier, I'm a paramedic. Um, I I had a somewhat of a, a um, post traumatic stress incident. I don't go as far as saying disorder because it didn't get that far because I caught it in time. But I had a a situation that um, that I was a part of and a run that I was a part of that 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 was that messed me up, right? And you know, I this was in EMS. I mean, right. in the hospital setting, I saw crazy stuff. I right. mean, like wow humanity like what the heck i've sold some crazy stuff in the hospital i've seen some crazy stuff you know as a medic too but uh so basically i got this uh little little what i call blindside you know i got kind of blindsided by this uh, by this wave of of weird emotions and depression uh about uh you know an incident that that actually i found out only a couple of months ago that i had an incident when i was a child when i was about i was in cub scouts mm -hmm. that someone succumbed to carbon monoxide in my croup and it didn't, it didn't, you know, he wasn't, he didn't die from it, but he was very, very um, mentally disabled after that. And I think I've always been scared to death of that. So any carbon monoxide runs, I've always felt a little weird, but then the the two that I had pretty much back to back were, were devastating, devastating. And it affected, you know, it affected, um, you know, my family a little bit because my daughter actually knew one of the girls that, 
was in the house. So it was one of those things where, wow, this was this is one of those that's really close to home. So when I came on the back side of that, I got some, you know, luckily enough, I had a good mentor that said, hey, Kyle, you don't look right. You don't feel right. You're not acting right. I need you to go get some help. And so I, I did. I, I didn't deny it. I'm like, OK, I'll go, I'll go talk to somebody. So I got on the back side of it and I'm sitting there in an EMS lecture one day, a big, big conglomerate. Somebody's up there talking about airway again or whatever it was. Yeah. Like, man, you know, make, and that's when I got the idea. I'm like, well, one, I'm an educator Two, I've got some experience now with stuff that we need to know about as first responders. So basically I kind of created in my head back then, it was five years ago, a first responder mental health lecture. Well, fast forward to about six months ago, it's not a longer a lecture. It's a full-blown course. And I have different modules. The The talk we were on yesterday, I kind of sprinkled a little bit about the family first module where we talk about families of first responders in healthcare. And my goal is to go to be as be in front of as many first responders as I can, not only new students, existing people, or the people that are maybe in crisis. I, I have no problem with if my talk or my discussion finds somebody in crisis and we can get them help, then I'm I'm down with it. But I'm going to have a big focus in the beginning, getting into the schools, getting into the academies. I found out that they do very little self-mental health training in those. I didn't have any as a respiratory therapist and I had zero as a paramedic, right? When I first started, but that was 19 years ago when I became a paramedic and 23 years ago before when I became a, a respiratory therapist. So 26 years ago, sorry, man, time flies. So it's one of those things where, where I have the unique ability to get up in front of people and talk about stuff I know. And as, as I'm building this course, I'm getting to know the brain health, the epigenetics about it. You know, I have a, a, a you know, a module on stigma and how to, I didn't even know what the word stigma meant when I, I've heard it. I didn't know what it meant. It was, I mean, I didn't know the word stigma a year ago. I heard it in education. I heard it in training. I just never connected. I never looked it up. I didn't know what it was. And I finally looked it up. And I'm like, Oh yeah. That's like almost every single first responder. We're too tough. You know, we, we, you, why, why do you have problems? You, you, you're, you knew this was going to be this, this type yeah. of, yep. you know, career, blah, blah, blah. So uh, there's a module on that. There's a module on self care, self, you know, you know, self mindfulness, the family first module, how to help the, the struggling coworker. So I'm, I'm really diving deep into building this and it's, and it's become a major passion project that that's taken a couple once I started, it still took a couple of months to really get me motivated because it was like too many things that I wanted to do. And I finally, I got a coach you know, working with the coach, try to narrow it down. And he's like, man, you got to make this, you got to make this shorter. You got to make this shorter. You got to make this shorter, you know, because it's just, you know, you got to really get, keep their attention. I'm like, Oh, okay. So it's great. I'm glad I have a coach, but that's what I'm doing right now. I'm in the middle of all that. And, you know, getting my message out now, like yesterday was my first time ever speaking about it in public that other than with my close friends, yesterday was the first time I announced it to how many ever people were in that summit, right? Exactly. Well, and that's one of the reasons why we want to bring you on our podcast, bringing education home, because, you know, we want the families to develop, but we also want to help those families who are in need. So all of our listeners who are the first responders or in the high stress jobs or in a place where they just don't think they can do anything about it, they need to hear stories like yours of, you know, passing the baby in the middle of the hallway kind of thing, the people who have come out the other side. I think you told us yesterday that you've actually 
reworked and saved your marriage twice because of all the high stress and things like that. And so super, super important. And just if you give us one or two tips out of that family module to give our families to help them. Sure. Yeah. The overall arching, you know, uh, part of the family module that I, that I really want people to know is that we need to communicate. The one thing that I did, and I mentioned it yesterday in the, in the summit that, that I wrote my kind of like my marriage story down. Right. And yeah. then as I wrote my story down from the beginning to nowadays, I noticed a pattern that when when we weren't communicating as a as a family, not just husband and wife, but a family, right. things were bad. Like so there was other stories that things weren't great with the kids. Right. You know, especially in the tween years and right. hormones and blah, you know, <laughs> it's like it's like, you know, I noticed that man, when we were communicating, we were, we were bad. We had arguments. We had, you know, I almost got divorced once because I stopped communicating. It was the crazy cycle. If anybody knows what that is. And she's not doing something that, that I makes me feel good. So I don't do something that makes her feel good. And it's just a crazy cycle and it's a spiral. And so, you know, once we learned what the crazy cycle was, we can pull ourselves out of that now, you know? And I mean, it doesn't mean that we don't get close to the crazy cycle again with being busy and even now being empty nesters. It's, a little bit nice that, you know, we can like make plans and not have to go seven different directions and split each other in half to go do stuff. But the main thing is that open communication. Like, you know, yesterday I had that, that workbook and I'm, I'm willing to, you know, let your listeners have that workbook. We can put it in the show notes. I'll send it to you, you you. know, if that's okay with you, um, that, that workbook that, well, not workbook, it's a, it's a worksheet or two, uh, Mm -hmm. that, that basically opens, it's just a worksheet that, that asks pertinent questions of yourself, your spouse, and then your children. And then you work with your children age appropriately. If your child is a teenager and they can understand the words that are coming off the page, by all means, they can do it themselves. But as they, you know, as they grow, you can always revisit it and they can, you can work with them. And I've got instructions specifically how to work with the child. The adults should understand the words that are on the, uh, the questions and, and how to, express themselves. Because what I think that does is it leads to, oh, I didn't know that's what you really like to do with me. Mm-hmm. I, I didn't know that you, building Legos with you was something that you look forward to when I come home. And all I've done is I blew you off and went and took a shower and crawled up on the couch, right? You know, <laughs> and watch TV. If I would have stopped and for 20 minutes, 30 minutes, built Legos with you before you went to bed, that's something that you need. That's something that you feel is when we're closest, right? And if we can communicate like that with our kids, our spouse, ourselves, ourselves as well, and they see what we like and it's on paper, now we have a plan, Right. I'm a paramedic. Everybody's like, well, how can you be a paramedic? Well, I got a plan. Almost, I got every single thing. I've got a plan. If it's a trauma, I got a plan. If it's a cardiac arrest, I got a plan. So when I go into that, I am cool, calm, and collected, right? I'm not, I'm not all over the place. It's because we've got a plan. So what I'm basically, you know, imploring people to do is to make a plan and start that line of communication. So when things do go start getting crazy, you can recognize it, come back to the plan and, and get focused on the family. So um, I, I also do psychedelic integration coaching. So people who PTSD, trauma, reach the end, talk therapy is not working. They get desperate. A lot of people end up going into psychedelic treatments, the legal kind like ketamine, or sometimes even like leaving the country for ayahuasca or some of the, the higher ones. Um, and first responders, th- there's a lot because it's a really stressful job and you do have to keep all of that stuff under wraps. And so there's such I, a big well, stigma. 
Yeah. yeah. The stigma. Major so stigma. I totally appreciate that you're actually trying to get in front of it. Yes. Right. So, I want to put myself out of a, I, I want to put myself out of lectures. If right. I could teach every new pair, you know, paramedic, first responder, you know, firefighter, police officer, dispatcher, if I could get them all at the beginning of their career to utilize the tools that are inside of my, my course, then in 20 years, they don't need me anymore. Well, right. you know, but that's, that's not, you know, that's not feasible, but that's, that's still okay. You know, that's course, what were to happen. Your course to be like that equipment that you were selling. Yeah. It became so important that now every hospital unit just yep. has it because that's a good point. I'm going to use that. Thank and you. Now you want your you want your <laughs> course to just be there because it's right. that important yeah. and it's that critical. Yeah. It so, is. It is. And, and actually, yeah, because you could take clients away from me, and the more clients you take away from me, the better because well, you'll be retired by the time that hell happens, right? <laughs> um, but but again, a lot of the the stuff that you do preventative. Sounds like it would also be very helpful for people who have already crossed over and need to come back. So um, at some point, I would love to introduce you to Deanne, the the head of um, of being to you to maybe see if you can get some of your information into into her stuff. So because it's first responders. She also works a lot with military. So military, yeah. Very much in line with what you're doing is is in line with with her heart and her mission. So so I'm just glad I, I. going to yeah. bring you two together somehow. Yeah. Well, I appreciate it. And nice. I want to bring us back to that plan that you were just talking about, that right? free gift that's going to be for our families is that one of the things I heard you saying was that, you know, when high stress jobs in families who are on the go all the time, who are crossing in the night kind of thing, having a plan to be able to make the time you have with your children and with your family, making it high quality time, Mm-hmm. It's so super important because important. sometimes when we don't have a lot of time, the quality time kind of replaces it a little bit, right? Absolutely. It really Absolutely. Makes the communication go. And the other thing I want to mention about that was because you have a plan. I actually talked about one of the things is having routines and schedules and stuff inside the family. Mm-hmm. Give your brain a break. So you're coming home, you're high stressed, you're whatever, you're coming off your shift. And if you have that plan, you know, oh, this child needs 10 minutes of quality lego time this child needs 20 minutes of reading a good book right. it's one less you don't thing have to think brain. worry about right you got to play your work you plan your work and you work your plan right yeah exactly <laughs> so i love that and i hope our families really heard that you know make sure you're making that plan of course it's going to change over time your kids are of course gonna... you can revisit it you know just print yeah. it off again you but know make sure that happens. <laughs> yeah exactly and the main thing with that is it's just you know we could all think it we can all say, oh, I want to go talk to my wife or my kids tonight about it. But what this worksheet does is it it puts something in your hands and tangible. And when we write things down, we all know this through through N- N- NRP and, and all that stuff. We we know that or NLP, you know, we know that when we write things down, they get cemented in our brains better. So it, we're not talking a little uh, an app that you can go and, you know, that'd be great. But I want a piece of paper that we can put on the fridge. Yeah. And then I could go over to it and be like, oh, you put something new up there, babe. Okay, great. Oh, you oh, you want to go to Disney next year. Okay, cool. Let's start making it. Let's start making those plans. Because yeah. because we also talk about future plans too yeah. in that in that worksheet. So <laughs> when I hurt my head, one of the things I did is I did a lot of studies on or looking up brain studies and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um I started doing memory exercise sure, yeah. stuff. Um for for memory remembering names, one of the the tricks that a famous guy used to do is he would have his hand in his pocket and whenever he heard the name he would pretend he had a pen in his pocket 
and he would right. write the name over and over inside of his pocket on That's his. That's a great list. idea. And so, by writing the name without just, just put it, the it, finger. It, so I've done that a couple of times. Like I it was like I very said, interesting pocket, and it, surprisingly, it works. It's easier. That's amazing. Yeah, which yeah. is weird because i have a lot of problem with names anyway but it works oh i'm right there with you bob no i'm just kidding <laughs> i know it's herb <laughs> this has been a wonderful conversation kyle i am so glad we had you on our podcast and that you're able to share this with families before we go is there anything else that you want to tell our families and if they wanted to get a hold of you do you have an email address or a website or something that you can say out loud and we'll also put in the show notes for them to get you? see multiple ways to hear it so that they yep stand it right multiple right, points exactly. yeah three to three to seven right yep <laughs> so if you see it on the screen there that's how you spell my last name i put up that's why i'm kyle because my mom and dad named us kenny kelly christy and kyle all with k's so people could remember to put the k in the middle of our last name we're good knight in shining armor not good not good nighttime as sleep. So, so, you know, that's a common misspelling when they're like, I don't have you in my system. Well, I'll put a K in the middle of, they're like, what do you mean? Like good knight, you know, like good night and shining armor. Yes. I'm Kyle goodnight.com. I mean, you'll, you Google, you go into Google and just put Kyle goodnight, spell it the way I spell it. And you're only going to find me. I'm the first eight things on the page. Um, <laughs> awesome. So, so yeah, Kyle goodnight.com. You know, I do have an email. It's Kyle at goodnight VO for voiceover um dot com but because i'm also a voiceover actor as well so that's something we didn't even i didn't even talk about that (laughs) and one last you know one last little nugget for our families if you were talking to a family who was in distress right now because of the work schedule or something what would you tell them focus on your mental health because one of the biggest factors of destroying a family is if we have un i learned this in our own therapy when we were in marriage counseling Things can, you know, things can stop. Abuse can stop. Addiction can stop. Mental health, if it's not treated, can't stop. Right. So if you know, if you don't have, if you're not in treatment and you have a mental disability or even as low as depression, it weighs down the marriage and there's no way out of it. Right. No way out of the bad part of it. So and if you're in tune with your mental health, it makes my exercise easier to talk about your feelings and to talk about their feelings and open that up. Because, you know, the one thing that, you know, I, I was a 70s baby. We didn't talk too much, you know, you know, families didn't do a lot of. Yes, we ate dinner together and we did the high surface stuff, the 30,000 feet stuff. What's the weather? How's your day? What's your grades? You know, whatever. But it wasn't anything where we actually got to know one another in a yeah. right way until much later in life when you're we're both we're both born in 1970 so yep. we're both gen yep. x our yeah. stories yep. are very similar yep. so yeah we grew up on our own our kids were our parents were always out of the house <laughs> you know yep. yeah, I, I i would go weeks without seeing my parents kind of and just yeah. but but yeah so that's all i'd say is just you know you know if you know, focus on your mental health whether that be just self care and self you know self understanding and uh and you know don't don't create your own stigmas about it you know it's it's not a it's it's not a badge of honor and it's not something to be ashamed of yeah. you know you can there's many things out there that help nowadays more now than ever yeah. <laughs> and we know more about it than ever yeah, One of the books awesome. I read recently showed that things weren't were still coming out in like 2011. 
about our mental health and our brain health. And it's better now than it's ever been to get help. Yeah. Awesome. And and some something to consider is you don't have any feelings that somebody else doesn't have. Every, the feelings that you have, everybody has those feelings. What's unique point. about you is how you get to those feelings. Yeah. So it's it's your story, it's your path, whatever that is, those feelings everybody has them. You're not alone. Your situation is you not unique. There is somebody else that, that is going through it, that has been through it, that found a way through it, and that can possibly help. So exactly. if, if you're in there and you think, oh my God, this has never happened to anybody else. I'm the only one like this. I'm all alone. This is, that's not true. There's somebody that's going through it. That's maybe a little farther ahead that can reach back a hand and, and, take you one step and then somebody else can take you one step. So listen, go for it. Don't, don't, don't just sink into that. There, there is help. Right. Exactly. Family, friends, listeners, thank you so much for joining us today. It has been a wonderful discussion. We were so pleased to meet Kyle and have him talk with us today. Take those gold nuggets that have been sprinkled throughout the episode, share it with others, leave us a review, and we hope to see you all on the next episode. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. Thank you, Kyle. It's been great. Thank you, guys. Appreciate it. Bye for now.